So we're going to come to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 in just a moment. But let me just kind of set this up this morning. This morning I want to talk to you about receiving and maintaining the blessing of God on your life. And this message comes out of a result of two experiences I've had uh, not, not too long ago. And one of them is this. I did a wedding uh, recently, and I had a couple come up to me after the wedding. And they said, uh, Pastor Todd, would you do me a favor and bless our relationship? So I said, well, are you guys married? They said, no, but we want God's blessing on our relationship. And so I said, well, you know, I'd be glad to do that. And uh, so I prayed for them. I prayed God's blessing over them. But after I finished praying, I just talked to them for a little bit and said, you know, this little token prayer that I just prayed over you has limited effect on how the blessing of God will be released over your life. Are y'all with me? There's more to it than that, right? And then another experience, uh, we've been working with the, uh, with the, the inmates there at Lafayette Parish Correctional Center uh, probably two years or more now. We've been doing this study and Pastor Brandon and, and, uh, and, and others, we, we've been there, tried to go faithfully every week to preach the word. Well, we've been gone long enough now that we've had some inmates that was in the Bible study that you could see the hand and the blessing of God on their life. God's touching them. God's filling them with His Spirit. God's giving them amazing amount of joy. And you could see the hand of God on their life. And some of them, during this time, have been released. They finished their sentence, and they got released. And then a few months later, we see them pop back up into the Bible study. And so whenever, after the first, second, third time I see that, I said, guys, hold on one minute. We're missing something here. Because the hand of blessing was on your life, but somehow after you got out of LPCC, something transpired in your life where you were no longer under the blessing of God and you end up right back here. This is not the will of God for you. Are y'all with me out there? And so, you know, just because you receive the blessing of God on your life does not mean you're going to maintain the blessing of God on your life. You know, there's a statement in the financial world that says past performance is not a guarantee for future results. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Let me say it another way. If God's blessing has been on your life in 2013, it does not automatically mean that hand of blessing will be on your life in 2014. Isn't that true, saints? It, it does not mean that. I believe God wants to bless us. He wants to shower us with His favor. And I believe He wants us not only to receive His blessing, but I believe God wants us to maintain His blessing. He wants us to live under His blessing. Amen? So today I want to talk to you about receiving and maintaining the blessing of God. You know, I think sometimes, even as church people, we get superstitious. We get superstitious in thinking, if I just carry a rabbit's foot in my pocket, I'm going to be blessed of God. Well, God don't work in superstitious ways. Amen? Sometimes we get real religious, and we think that if I just show up at church, 
If I put a big old booming Bible on my coffee table, then God is obligated to bless me. Well, it doesn't work like that. Until you realize and understand the ways of God, you will not receive and maintain the blessing of God on your life. So let's talk about how to receive and maintain God's blessing. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says this, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? Now, I believe in this one verse of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to test ourselves to see how we're doing spiritually. And he's encouraging us, in other words, to say, hey, listen, we need to learn how to manage our lives. Are you in the faith? Are you walking in the faith? Are you living in the faith or not? He's encouraging us to manage. You know what to manage means? To to handle, to direct, to govern, to take responsibility for When we manage something, we take ownership of. We're responsible for that. The Lord wants us to handle, direct, govern, take responsibility for our spiritual lives. Isn't that true? And so listen, as children, you know, we didn't have to govern our lives. We didn't have to manage our lives. We had parents to do that, like financially. We didn't have to manage our finances. Our parents did that. But somewhere along the way, hopefully... We learn to manage our own finances. You know, listen, a 30-year-old and a 40-year-old, your parents shouldn't have to pay your bills anymore. You should learn how to manage your own finances. And I'll tell you this, your life will be happier if you learn how to manage your own finances. Isn't that true? And listen, so, you know, as children, our parents' job is to teach us how to manage our lives, to manage our relationships, to manage our time, to manage our physical health, to manage our habits, etc., etc. But most importantly, it's our job and responsibility to manage our spiritual life. Our parents shouldn't be the one to say, Sue, are you going to church this morning? Hey, Sue. This is mama. Have you been reading your Bible? Listen, somewhere along the way, Sue needs to take ownership of her own spiritual life if she wants to maintain and receive the blessing of God on her life. How do you effectively manage your spiritual life? I want you to turn with me to another verse of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 4. You see, listen, I believe this. The better we manage and, 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 and govern our spiritual life, the greater the level of blessing will be on our life. You see, and I was thinking about the inmate. Okay, he's in jail. He's got a very restricted environment, so it's a lot easier for him to serve God. But once he gets out of jail, he's got a lot more options. And you know what? The police officer, the chaplain... The pastor will not be with him to walk around town with him to make sure he makes the right choices. Somewhere along the way, he has to take responsibility for his own spiritual well-being, his own spiritual life, and he needs to learn how to manage his life well. And if he will manage his life well spiritually, he will be fine. So how do you manage your spiritual life? Well, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says this, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. The writer of Proverbs says, watch over your heart. 
Watch over means to govern, to manage, to direct, to control, to take responsibility for. How many of you know the condition of your heart is more important about when you, t- when you think about receiving the blessing of God than a pastor just praying, praying a token prayer over you? He says, watch over your heart. The writer of Proverbs is saying, manage your heart. And so whenever you think about how do you manage your life spiritually, I think it all boils down to managing your heart spiritually. If you will manage your heart, it's the center of everything else. If you manage your heart, your spiritual life will stay on track. The reason why we need to watch over our heart or manage our heart, the writer of Proverbs says, it determines the course of your life. How many of you know if you keep your heart right, the blessing of God will be on your life. If you keep your heart right, the favor of God will be on your life. You won't need a pastor to pray a token prayer over you because the good hand of God will be on your life. Amen. The condition of our heart determines whether or not we receive and maintain the blessing of God. So how do you effectively manage your spiritual light? Watch over your heart. The more you keep your heart right with God, the more the blessing of God will be on your life. Are y'all with me out there? So now let's talk about, uh, let's talking about managing our heart. And I want to give you four areas of your heart that you need to manage that will help you maintain the favor of God, the blessing of God. Number one, you need to manage your spiritual fervor. Manage your spiritual fervor. It means to maintain your enthusiasm and your love for God. It means to maintain your spiritual fervency for Him. And so the scripture says in Romans 12, 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. How many of you know the Lord requires us to manage our spiritual passion for Him? He doesn't leave that to anybody else's responsibility. He requires us to manage our spiritual passion. Do you remember the greatest commandment in all the Bible has to do with your spiritual passion? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, Jesus said, the greatest of all commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's a commandment about the passion of God. Listen, our number one spiritual responsibility is to keep our fire for God. It's to keep our passion for God. It's our responsibility. We can't rely on mama to give us that. We can't rely on daddy to give us that. We can't rely on people around us to give us that. It's an individual responsibility before God. Amen? How many of you know there's always a price that we pay for losing our spiritual passion? You see, and this is where I think a lot of people get off track. They don't realize the importance of maintaining their passion for God. And so listen, Revelation chapter 2, the Lord rebuked the church at Ephesus for losing their passion. He says in verse 4, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now, I want you to notice something. He said, this is what, this is my problem I'm having with you, church of Ephesus. You've left your first love. And so he said, repent, do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm going to remove your lampstand. You know, I, I, I searched a couple of commentaries to see what they, what's removing the lampstand have to do. And you know what? It boils down to this. 
It meant that you're going to lose the Lord's light, the Lord's favor, the Lord's presence, the Lord's influence in your life. And so what happens a lot of times is that we, we, we get the light of God, we get the blessing of God, but we don't maintain our spiritual fervor. In other words, we get lackadaisical spiritually. And you see, we look at it as, man, I'm not doing too good right now. But the Lord looks at it totally different. He says, listen, the reason why you're losing your spiritual fervor is because you got something else that's taking priority in your life. You got something else that's consuming your life. And so listen, if you read the book of Judges, I encourage you to do that. If you read the book of Judges, it records the children of Israel going through this spiritual cycle of receiving and losing the blessing of God. In fact, if you look at the book of Judges, you will see this cycle over and over again. Sin, suffering, supplication, salvation, and security. It's a cycle. And if you look at Judges chapter 3, it's a miniature of the whole book of Judges. In the, the book of Judges chapter 3 verse 7 says this, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah pose. So this is what it says. It says the Lord, the Israelites, they forgot the Lord their God. See, losing the favor and blessing of God all begins with losing your spiritual fervor and passion. They forgot the Lord their God. Look at verse 8. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to King Cushan uh, Rishathayam. Well, I don't know why they don't use Budro and Thibodeau here. Of Aram Neraharium, and the Israelites served Cushan Rishathayam for eight years. They served this evil king for eight years. You see, the Lord burned with anger against them because they forgot the Lord their God. Now, God's not this big man that is looking for somebody to smack because they quit going to church. But see, what happens is when we don't allow God to take preeminent place in our heart, something else takes a preeminent place in our heart and we begin to, and we begin to have idolatry problems. You see? And so you see, after we lose our spiritual fervor, then we suffer the loss of God's blessing and protection. Are y'all following me? But now listen, verse 9. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer for them. His name was Othaniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. Now here's the supplication part. They start crying out to God. They're returning back to the Lord. Look at verse 9. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. You see, there's the salvation and security. At verse 9, or verse 10, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Cushan Rishathayam of Aram. And the Lord gave Othaniel victory over him. So there was peace in the land for 40 years. The spiritual cycle. Sin, suffering, supplication, salvation, security. It's a common cycle. We see it in church. People come to church. They're broken. They're suffering. Their lives are messed up. They hear about the gospel. They repent. They turn to the Lord. The Lord begins healing them. The Lord begins delivering them. The Lord begins to bless them. All of a sudden, they get so blessed, 
They got to go out there and sow their wild oats and they forget the Lord their God. And they end up right back in the same predicament. They get broken. They get beat up. They get messed up. They get in bondage. And all of a sudden they're back under the influence of the world, under the bondage of the evil one. And they come back to church and they repent. They get right with God. God comes in with his blessing. He heals them. He delivers them. He sets them free and they're on the right track under the favor of God. They forget about the Lord God. They go back to the world. They get into bondage. They get into sin. They go back into the wilderness and they get under the influence of the enemy. And then they come back to church and they cry out to God, God have mercy on me. And God in his mercy, he forgives them. He heals them. He blesses them and he pours out his grace over them. Man, imagine if we got smart enough to break the cycle. Imagine if Whenever God started blessing us, we don't go back to the world. Imagine if we don't forget about the Lord God and we keep our spiritual fervor burning. Imagine how God will bless us over and over again. Come on, are y'all with me out there? If you want to maintain God's blessing, manage your spiritual fervor. So listen, we need to be proactive in keeping our spiritual fire burning. We got to be proactive. Proverbs 26, 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. We got to constantly throw spiritual logs on our fire. You see, you don't have to read your Bible to go to heaven, but I'll tell you what it's going to do. It's going to put gas on your spiritual fire. See, you don't have to pray to go to heaven, but I'll tell you what will happen. You'll throw gas on your spiritual fire if you learn to talk to God and worship God every day. Amen. And so listen, if you want to maintain God's blessing, manage your spiritual fervor. By going to church consistently. I'm preaching to the choir. You, you came through the storm. <laughs> Amen. So when you, when you talk to your friends that didn't come, tell them, no, just kidding. <laughs> but here, listen, the key is consistently. You see, what happens when you throw logs on a fire and you forget about it? I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to keep a fire burning than to start one. Listen, when you got a fire burning, you throw a log on there. It's going to ignite. You let that fire go out. And man, it's a hard road. to hoe. get that fire going again. Amen. So listen, keep your fire going. Consistently feed your spiritual life. Why? Because the blessing of God will rest on your life if you do. Mama's not going to do it for you. Daddy's not going to do it. Your friends aren't going to do it. You got to do it. Amen. Amen. So in January the 6th, we're going to have a 21-day time of prayer and fasting. Why do we do that? Because we want to manage our spiritual fervor. Because we believe that the world will try to take our hearts, try to pull our hearts away. But if we will be faithful to keep the fire of God burning in our life, we will maintain the blessing and favor of God on our life. Number two, the second area of your heart you need to manage to receive and maintain God's blessing is you've got to manage your emotions. Uncontrolled emotions will short circuit God's blessing in your life. Ephesians 4, 26. Don't let, don't, uh, and don't let sin, uh, let anger control you. Don't sin, excuse me, by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Uncontrolled anger gives a foothold to the devil and then he can begin stealing God's blessings on your life. 
He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your peace. Amen. What happens is anger turns into unforgiveness and unforgiveness turns into to the stronghold of bitterness. And once bitterness has come into your life, you, you, it'll mess up your life. You can't enjoy the blessings of God if you don't learn to manage your emotions. I don't know if you saw this recently, but in one of the islands, Farkett Island or Cow Island, somewhere around in there, there was a duck hunter that brought his friend duck hunting. And while they went in the blind, he shot him. And they couldn't find him for a while. They finally found him. And they realized it was his friend that shot him while they were duck hunting. And then it came out why he shot them. His friend owed him $1,200. So he shot his friend because his friend ripped him off of $1,200. That is a bad case of uncontrolled emotion. Now this guy's life is ruined for $1,200. See how many times this people that come to church on a regular basis, enjoying the favor and grace of God, lose the blessing and touch of God on their life because of unmanaged emotion. Their lives are wrecked. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just As in Christ, God forgave you. So how do you control your anger? We manage our emotions primarily by learning how to forgive. How many of you know we'll all get a chance to learn how to forgive? We will all get a chance. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. We got to choose to be kind and compassionate. Returning good for evil. And learn to forgive. Because you see, I was thinking about this. Why is some of these guys living their lives in correctional centers, in prisons, in jail? A lot of them is because they never knew how to manage their emotions. They never learned how when somebody hurt them to deal with that, to forgive them. And that root of bitterness comes in and it starts eating them up to where they can't control it. And they do something that is ridiculous and they spend the rest of their life behind bars for it. But listen, how many people in church, they're doing good. God's touch is on their life. But somewhere along the way, even either the pastor, somebody in leadership, you know, somebody, they don't expect to get hurt by somebody in church, but somebody in church hurts them and they get seated in their heart and they get bitter and they lose the joy of the Lord in their life. Don't allow that. Amen. Gorge your heart. Watch over your heart. And when offense comes in, for your own sake, I'm not going to let that person ruin my life and rob me of God's blessing. Lord, I forgive them. Lord, shower them, bless them, keep them, touch them, put lice in their bed, help them, Lord. No, don't do that. Just want to make sure you were listening. All right. Third area of your heart you need to manage to maintain God's blessing on your life is to manage your temptation. Manage your temptation. Let, let me stop. While I was studying this morning, I felt like the Lord said, there's, gonna, there's somebody in this auditorium, particularly a lady, that's having trouble sleeping, becoming mentally tormented, suffering with depression. And it's because you haven't forgiven the person that betrayed you and that mistreated you. You lost the joy and the peace of God in your life. And if you'll repent and release that person, 
God's going to turn your mourning into dancing. Amen? So I trust whoever that is, is going to receive this word this morning. Number three, third area of your heart you need to manage is you may need to manage your temptation. James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, Jesus taught us to pray this way, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The The temptation to sin is something we all have to face. If you're breathing, you're going to have to face it. James chapter 1 verse 13, James said, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So we need to remember all sin begins with temptation to satisfy the lust of our flesh. When you go fishing, you want to catch fish, you find out what they like and you try to throw that in the front of them with a hook involved and that's how you catch fish. When the enemy wants to catch saints, he finds out what they like and he puts that bait on a hook right in the front of them hoping they might grab a hold of it. See, when we give in to temptation, the Bible says it gives birth to sin. And then when sin... Has accomplished, it short circuits God's blessing in your life. I like the way the message, James chapter 1 and 15 of the message says, let's, it says, lust gets pregnant and has a baby. Sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. How many of you know the wages of sin is still death? It's still death. It will always be. You see, we might be able to get away with it and hide from everybody else, but we can't hide from Almighty. And there's always a price tag. Sin short circuits God's blessing in your life. Amen? Remember when Israel was going into the promised land, the very first challenge they came up on was the city of Jericho, a fortified city. They shouldn't have been able to penetrate that city. God gave him a strategy. Circle the wall once, one time a day, seven times the last day, shout, blow the trumpets, the wall came down. Remember that? It was a tremendous victory. And so they went on a little further. They came to the city of Ai. They went spied out. The spies came back and said, man, there's only 3,000 people. No sense in just interrupting everybody here. Just send a few warriors down there, maybe 3,000, and we got this licked. And that's what they did. 3,000 went down to Ai and they got soundly defeated. And so Joshua says, God, what happened? What's the problem? We just defeated Jericho. We took down Goliath. We won the Super Bowl. Why can't we beat this high school team? And God says, well, the problem is you got sin in the camp. In Judges chapter 7 and verse 11, the Lord said, Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. 
For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. So they started casting lots. They got the tribes and said, okay, this is the tribe. Okay, let's, let's find out who in the tribe. They found out it was Achan. Said, Achan, what did you do? He said, well, there was this really nice robe that I thought would be awesome to have. And I stole it. And there was some silver coins. I just grabbed a few, stuck them in my pocket. Some gold bars. I thought I could really enjoy that. I took it home with me. I hid it in my, under my tent. Well, Achan, what you did was break the covenant of God. You sinned against God. And now the blessing of God is not on us. And so they dealt with Achan. They stoned him and his family. Removed the sin from the camp. They went back down to Ai. And they were able to defeat Ai and move on. And then the Lord said, okay, now you can take all the plunder of Ai. You see, whenever we do what's right in God's eyes and we choose to do our level best to live uprightly and purely before God, God's favor and blessing will remain on our lives. Amen. You see, yesterday's performance doesn't guarantee this year's results. If we lived a pure life last year, if we lived uprightly last year, but we allow sin to creep into our life, we begin to do things that are ungodly and evil and wicked. We're going to lose the favor of God. So we need to do whatever it takes to get away from the temptation to sin. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, in verse 22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. If you, if you got a weakness for chocolate, stay away from the chocolate store. Amen? That's a paraphrase. If you're facing some kind of temptation, you see, don't hang out where the temptation is. Run away from it. You know, take your hat, turn it around backwards, roll up your sleeves, put on your sneakers, and get out of there. Amen? Amen? Remember King David? He didn't run from his temptation. He entertained it. He looked over there and said, who's that girl taking that bath over there? Would you go get her for me? Joseph was quite different. What did he do? He left her coat in his, in her hand. He left his coat in her hands. She said, come over here. He said, forget it. And he was out of there. Amen. Joseph went from the pit to the palace. He got blessed. Amen. Listen, the enemy's always throwing some some bait out there. He knows what you like. He knows what you really enjoy. And he'll try to put it right in the front of your nose, hoping you might grab a hold of it. But come on, the more we can say no to temptation, the greater level of blessing we'll live under. Amen? And remember, temptation is always manageable. It's always manageable. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of, of escape so that you will be able to endure it. You know what he's saying? He's saying God will give you the grace. If you truly are repentant in your heart and desiring to live uprightly, God will give us the grace that we need.
to live uprightly. Amen. The fourth area of your heart you need to manage to receive and maintain God's blessing in your life is you need to manage your attitude. Manage your attitude. So we got to manage our passion for God. We got to manage our emotion. Remember number three, we got to manage temptation. And number four, we got to manage our attitude. You know, again, track with me here. Wise guys come into LPCC, have an encounter with God, experience the touch of God, leave, and end up right back in there with the oppression of the enemy on them. One of the reasons is because they don't manage their attitude. Why does people, why does good people come to church broken, busted and disgusted, repent, get right with God, God showers them with His favor and blessing. Somewhere along the way, they get out of that flow of God's blessing and they ended up broken, busted and disgusted again. I think one of the reasons is because we don't manage our attitude. We have options concerning the attitudes we choose to embrace. We can embrace a prideful attitude or we can embrace a humble attitude. But remember, it's a humble attitude that God always blesses. Right? God always blesses a humble attitude. In Philippians 2 and 5 says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. How many of you know that's a good role model right there? And then verse 8, he says, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. See, it's the attitude of humility that caused Christ to be elevated to the highest place of honor. It was humility. He was the son of God, but he didn't look for, he didn't demand his place. He didn't stick his chest out and say, I deserve the first place, the best place, the greatest and the most. And he didn't do that. He humbled himself and God elevated him. It's the attitude of humility that will cause you and I to be elevated, to receive and maintain the blessing of God. You see, sometimes blessing causes us to become arrogant. See, sometimes blessing causes us us to get proud. You know, Agor said, Lord, don't give me too much that I might forget you. And don't give me too little that I'm going to go sin stealing something. Give me what I can handle. See, sometimes we limit God's blessing level in our life We limit his level of blessing because as we begin to get blessed, we allow pride to creep in. And somewhere along the way, we say, you know what, God? I got this. I can take it from here. I mean, by the way, look around. Look what I've done. I mean, I have done a good job. And I have been successful. When I becomes the center of our sentence, we're in trouble. Amen. Amen. We're in trouble. But James chapter 4 and verse 10 says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself. Mama's not going to humble you. Well, she could. 
Mama could do that. Daddy's not going to humble you. In fact, sometimes mama and daddies protect their children from the discipline that God wants to bring in their life because of their own prideful attitudes. So what is a humble person look like? Number one, here's two characteristics. There's probably a list, but we're going to just limit it to two. First, a humble person is willing to admit their faults. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. You know, I mean, it's easy to talk about how good you are. Doesn't take any humility at all. But it takes humility to say, you know what? I got some weaknesses in my life. It takes a humble person to admit their faults. Let me tell you the story about this guy. He's no longer at LPCC. This guy was in LPCC. He was in there for three counts of rape. Three counts. One here in Louisiana, two in Delaware. And you know, while he was here, God met him in a powerful way. And you know what happened? He began to own his faults. And he said, you know what? I did that. And he admitted it. I really did that. I'm guilty. And for what, what I understand, there's a lot of people that are in LPCC that are not guilty. They never did that. They were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Somebody that looked like them or whatever. And you know, he got sentenced to 15 years for the one count in Louisiana. But all the time, he said, I'm guilty. And here's your sentence. 15 years, penitentiary. Well, after he got sentenced, for some unknown reason, they called him back up and said, hey, we're going to reduce your sentence to five years instead of 15. Why? Don't know. Just doing that. So then he went to Delaware, and he's got to serve two more sentences. And his family was trying to find a lawyer for him. Nobody wanted to represent him. Finally, they got one lawyer to talk to him. And he said, sir, he said, tell me, are you pleading guilty or innocent? He said, guilty. He said, I'm guilty of both charges. And he said, I'm very sorry for what I did to my victims. And I'm very sorry for hurting those families. Lawyer said, what? In all the years that I've been doing this, I've never had anybody tell me they were innocent. He said, you know what? I am going to represent you. Not only am I going to represent you, I'm going to represent you for free. Now listen, it doesn't mean he's not going to serve time. But you know, there's a chance that this guy might see the light of day. Because he's owning his faults. And see, listen, humility doesn't walk around and cover up all the faults. Humility says, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. I got issues. God, I need you to work in my life. Pride tries to cover it all and tries to pretend they're perfect. Humility says, I'm not perfect. I need God's grace. That's where God works. Amen. A humble heart, God, will bless. And then number two, a humble person continually leans on and asks God for help. 
Look at this proverb, Proverb 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding and all your worries, ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. See, we begin to receive the blessing of God when we're willing to admit our faults. But number two, when we continue to lean on God for help. Again, let me go back to January the 6th, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why? Because we want to lean on God Instead of leaning on our arms. Because we want to trust God. Instead of trust ourselves. Amen. Why do we spend time with God? Why do we seek God? Because we want to lean on God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. In other words, ask God to help you in everything that you do. And He says, and then you're going to prosper. Your ways going to be made out great. Amen. The more you lean on God, the greater the chances of God's blessing in our life. The more we trust God, the more the blessings of God in our life. Let me close with this verse. First, First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Have you heard of Jabez? Listen what it says. There was a man named Jabez who was much more honorable than any of his, of his other brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to God, to the God of Israel. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do. And keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. You see, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers because Jabez experienced a greater blessing on his life. He had a greater blessing from God on his life. And why? Because Jabez leaned on God. He trusted God. He cried out to God. He said, God, put your hand of blessing on me. If I'm going to prosper, it's going to be because you helped me prosper. And by the way, Lord, expand my territory. If you're going to give me more influence, it's going to be because of you, Lord. And by the way, Lord, Lord, you know me. You know I'm tempted. You know I don't have enough strength to withhold and to withstand everything. God, would you protect me from harm? Would you put your grace on me? And God honored his trusting and leaning on him. God showered him with blessing. Jabez received the blessing of God. Jabez maintained the blessing of God. And now he gets to be put in the archives as more honorable than the rest. Amen. Isn't that a great story? Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. Now, why did I, why did I take however many minutes to talk about this? Remember this couple that came to me? And they said, would you pray over our relationship? Would you bless our relationship? How many of you know you can't bless what God don't bless? You can't curse what God blesses. Amen. I was talking to a lady the other day. She said, my mama seems to think somebody's putting a curse on me. I said, well, just serve God with all your heart. Then that curse is going to just be like a boomerang. It's going to go back to where it went, where it came from. You just worry about serving Jesus because Jesus came to break the curse. Amen. You see, if we want the blessing of God, it's not a rabbit foot in our pocket. 
It's not, it's not superstition. And it's not religion. A big booming Bible on the coffee table is not going to do it. You know, growing up, I had a prayer card in my wallet. I relied on the blessing of God on a prayer card. Listen, it's not superstition and it's not religion. It's relationship. Keep your heart right with God and God's going to buy, God, God's going to shower you. He's going to pour out his blessing over you. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? Am I talking to the right group who got out of bed this morning to come to church? Amen. Come on. Come on. Let's present ourselves before God this morning. And come on, let's go over it. Come on. You got to manage your spiritual fervor. Come on. How you doing spiritually right now? Come on. Hot, lukewarm, cold. Maybe you just need to, maybe you just need to make a decision today to say, man, you know what? I need to get with a program. I need to get on track. The Lord said, repent from where you have fallen and return to what you did before. Go back to what you used to do. God's hand of grace will be with you. Come on, just make a prayer closet right there. Hearing all this doesn't make a bit of difference unless we make application of it. Come on, we got to manage our emotions. Maybe this morning you're holding, you're holding on to a hurt. You're holding on to a, a betrayal. You're holding on to a mistreatment. Come on, don't do like that precious guy who's going to serve the rest of his life because he couldn't let go of a debt of $1,200. Come on, let it go right now. It's not worth ruining your life for. Just forgive right where you are and say, God, I release them. I forgive them. Come on, some of you, maybe the enemy's throwing that hook and that bait right in the front of your nose. And maybe you've been smelling it. Maybe you've been nibbling on it. But come on, make a decision today that you're not going to entertain it. You're not going to entertain it. You're going to not hang around it. You're going to run away from it. You're not going to stay in the middle of that, of that seed of temptation, but you're going to run with all your heart. Come on, make a decision in your heart. Lord, I want to live holy. I want to live uprightly. I want to maintain your blessing on my life, oh God. But come on, manage your attitude. Come on, maybe this morning... You've been looking to man. You've been looking to other things to solve your problems. Maybe today you need to look to God. Come on, how many of you have one of these points has touched your life today? You say, man, this has really ministered to me. God's speaking to me about that. Let me see your hands if that's you. Come on, remember, humility says, I'm willing to admit. Come on, those of you that got your hands raised, I want you to do something. Come on, we we just a few minutes over. I want you to come down to the altar this morning. Come on, let's do business with God. I believe things are going to change in people's lives this morning. Y'all believe that? Come on, are y'all with me out there? Y'all believe that this morning? Come on, we're going to do business with God this morning. Come on, don't come just to the altar. Come like you're coming to the feet of Jesus. Come like you're coming to the master this morning. Come on, come like you're just in humility, just bowing your heart before God this morning and say, God, I want to receive and maintain your blessing on my life. God, I want to walk in your blessing and your favor. Now, come on, when you get up here, come on, you got to do business with God. And listen, although your heart might not be right, your heart can get right just by repentance, just by confession. 
just by talking to God. It's between you and God. It's just between you and God. It's God that can get it right. It's God that can make it change. It's God that can take your position and get you where you need to be. And so just open up your heart right now and just say, Lord Jesus, come on, say that with me. Lord Jesus, I want my heart to be right. I want to walk in your blessing. I want to maintain your blessing in my life. Lord Jesus, I need your help today. I need your strength today. I need your touch today. Lord, I come in humility. I come with a broken heart and say, Jesus, don't take your hand from me. Don't take your blessing from me. Lord Jesus, I desire to be right with you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Come on, I just talk to him. He's your master. He's your savior. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. His mercy is new every morning. He wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. He wants to grace our life. I want you to just receive his love now and say, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being a God of mercy, for being a God of grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just take a moment to just worship just a little just a little while. Come on, present yourself before God. Clean hands, pure heart, Lord. Let's make that our prayer this morning. I'm falling on my knees, offering all Jesus, your heart is Come on, just Jesus. Just Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, come. I'm falling on my knees, offering all of me. And Jesus, your heart is living. Come on, one more time, let's sing it. heart is living far. Can we make that commitment today? Lord, 
God, that's our desire. We just want to live for you. God, we don't want it to be just outward uh, expressions of religion or tradition. God, we want our hearts. Lord, we don't want it to be from our lips. We want it to be from our heart. God, we want our heart to be true. We want our heart to be right with you. Lord, I pray that you would just honor every one of these that are here today that have just responded. God, I pray that you meet them right where they are and that you give them the grace they need, Lord, to just keep managing their life, keeping their heart right with you so they can receive and maintain the blessing of God all of the days of their life, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed said amen. 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 God bless you.